the clicker, <laughs> the missing clicker. <laughs> Thank you, honey. Do you see any danger or risk in that picture? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who'd like to join me this afternoon right there? I don't even know where that is, you know, but yeah. I, I think that's a waterfall below here. So, so even if you would survive tumbling down this little cliff, you're, you're going to hit jagged rocks and water pouring over you. So, um, you know, better, better be ready to meet Jesus because uh, I think your time in this life, your, your time in this life is, is done. But here's people willingly going out there. Now, now I, I know these are not serious hikers. Do you know how I know that? Because this woman just has her jacket tied around her waist. Yeah, it's just, okay, let's go. You know, got her bottle in her hand, you know. And I don't know how dangerous that trail really is. But I, I, see, I see rocks that could slip. I, I see, you know, maybe they're, they're probably a little wet from all the moisture that, that's there. And, and so you, you, could, you could slip. Are these rocks going to give way? Does this path get really narrow and you kind of have to go like this as you're going, or like this. I, I don't know, but that looks like a dangerous journey. There could be hardship on that journey. And this is the journey we're all on every day. Sometimes it's easier than others. Sometimes the path seems blocked. Sometimes we see other people who were with us on the journey fall and fail and hurt themselves or get on each other. This, this, this journey of, of, of life in this world is dangerous. Paul writes here, excuse me, it's not necessarily Paul who wrote Hebrews. It might have been, but the writer of Hebrews, we don't know for sure who it was, but he speaks here about hardship. And he says to, to endure hardship as discipline. When I asked the children what discipline means, the first reaction was, I think, most adults' reaction, not positive. Oh, discipline. You know, maybe as an adult, you've matured to the point where you recognize that it is a necessary thing as part of life in different ways, but no one jumps into discipline, Right? It's something that we, we resist, and, and there's some reasons for that. And, and what I'd like to do before we jump into the Scripture is, is eliminate a, a very common understanding or belief about that word and its use in Scripture with this question. Does God punish us? Does God decide one day, Paul Miller, I've seen enough of you. Now I'm going to make one of those rocks you're walking on slip and knock you over. Paul Miller, I've, you're, you haven't listened to me. You're going to get a virus called COVID-19. And God made that happen to me to teach me a lesson, to get my attention. Is that how God works? We have this idea, unfortunately, and a lot of it depends on our own upbringing, our own home life, our own father, mother, whoever raised us, and how they dealt with discipline. And 
Punishment is usually the word that comes right alongside discipline, or it's one of the first words. But the question is, does God punish us? Does God make things happen? Did God bring COVID-19 upon the planet to make a point? Did he do that so, so we would all stop and pay attention and worship him? Well, God, I'm really sorry, very respectfully of you, almighty Lord and maker, but it hasn't worked very well, has it? If that was God's intention, I don't believe that it was. But then it leaves big questions like, why do big disasters happen? Why do hardships that affect millions or even just a handful of people but still tragic Tornadoes came through our country again in the last week, killed people in certain places. People driving through Schuylkill County, Pennsylvania on Interstate 81, a snow squall comes by and 80-some vehicles, half of them trucks, half of them cars, got crumbled together and lives were lost in all of that devastation. Did God make that happen? Did, did God bring snow down upon the highway that day because one or two of those people needed to wake up? Do, do, do things happen so, so just that, that, that God can get to us? Is that the Lord that you know? Is that the Lord that you believe in? Is that the Jesus that you're following? Who's just going to bring bad stuff? See, that's not Jesus. That idea really goes back a long way. And although most people won't call it this, I, I think a big part of that influence that's still part of Western culture for sure, that's more like Zeus. Zeus, the, the Greek god, the greatest of Greek gods, the one who sits up there in heaven on the clouds and has lightning bolts in his hand and ready to zap you. Do you know, you know anyone who thinks like that way? I do. I, I hear that all the time, especially, you know, I'm a pastor. Most people know that I'm a pastor, so... Um, you know, this building, okay, when this turned into a church, I, you know, obviously I invited people, all of us have invited people to come. Hey, we're worshiping God here. You're welcome to come and, and, and learn together and, and grow together. And I, I often get this, oh, if I walk in there, I'll get struck by lightning. Now, now they'll say it kind of with a smirk on their face, but I think somewhere behind, I think they really believe that. I think they really believe that God is waiting around just to look for you to fall over and then zap you, or look for you to make a wrong step and that's it, or cause the wrong step to happen to you. Is that how God works? You see, hardship happens. Life, this, this life journey is a dangerous one, and God doesn't have to make things happen Things will happen. The question is, when the hardship comes, when the tragedy comes, when the difficulty comes, when the broken relationship comes, when the things that happen, whether they are of your own doing or have been done to you by the will of another person, do you trust God in the hardship? Not blaming God for it, but saying, God, help me through this. Certainly, we naturally want to answer the question, why? And you know what? There isn't an answer. Not all the time. I'm not going to venture a guess as, as, as one of, what, 10 plus billion people on the earth right now. 
as to why COVID-19 happened. It happened, I mean, biologically we understand and, and we understand how it spreads, but, but why? I don't know. I just know it's here. I know it's been here. I know we've lived with it and we're still living with it. Just last night, I got a message from one of the pastors in, in, the, in the district of churches that I oversee as field director, and his, his, um, his wife's parents who live with them, though all four of them got COVID a couple of weeks ago, and they thought they were through it. Now his wife's mom and dad are hospitalized, one with um, kidney failure, the other with pneumonia. I don't know why, but I know the God that we can trust in, in the pain. So we're going to walk through these scriptures today. If you've got an outline, you'll see that it's blank. I know I usually have a fill in the blank or some basic leadings. If, if there's something that you want to write down, obviously go ahead. Um, and not everyone writes or takes notes, that's fine too. But um, we're going to walk through this uh, a couple of verses at a time. And I just want you to keep that, the idea of discipline more in the lines of an athlete to, to prepare, more along the lines of maybe you have a hobby that you do or maybe it's your job at work or something that it took you time, maybe a long time to get that skill honed down to where you can produce something, whether it's producing a product for which you are paid or whether it is something that you just enjoy doing and you're happy to have it when you're done. I like working with wood. I like making things out of wood. And so that takes a discipline in a lot of ways. When, when, um, when I cut these boards for this wall, that's a lot of cuts. Okay, every one of these had to be trimmed down to three inches. A lot of them on both sides. So there is hundreds and hundreds of passes past, going through, past a 10-inch blade at very high speed that if my finger would slip or something, or I wasn't paying attention, I could lose a finger or two or more in a split second. And yet, it's worth it. I'm glad that this looks nice and people appreciate it and, and, and other things that I've made out of wood. There's danger, there's risk, but it's worth it because something good is produced in the end. And there's always going to be risk and there's always going to be hardship. You struggle against sin, you have not resisted to the point of shedding your blood. Now, keep in mind, in, in your New Testament, most of the people who wrote it and they were, who received the original writing, who the, the author of Hebrews was writing to, were living in a time when shedding their own blood just because they believed in Jesus was a very real danger. So whatever this audience was, Apparently, they had been protected thus far from shedding their blood. But they probably knew of people in other locations and heard the stories about Christians who were arrested or beaten or eventually in, you know, in Rome itself or in other Roman cities where you know, thrown to lions and you know, butchered for sport. There was blood happening to the church of Jesus Christ, to, to believers in Jesus, just because they believe in Jesus. And it came from the, the Jewish people who rejected Christ as Messiah, 
It also came from the Roman world who believed in many gods and didn't want this one god and the, who, whose believers were growing rapidly and they felt threatened by it. So you have both of those dangers going on at one time and this, this book is written specifically to Jewish Christians or Jews that were at least open enough to consider that Jesus really was the Messiah. It's a very deep and long book. But this is why it says that, is, is you haven't resisted to the pointing you know, of, of shedding your blood. In the previous chapter in Hebrews 11, there's a list of great people of faith. Some, um, some scholars entitle it the Hall of Faith. And, and, and great names you'll probably recognize from the Old Testament. And, and so you have this great cloud of witnesses, as he says here in, in, the, in the first verse of the 12th chapter, that um, you, you want to honor what they did with, with your faith. You, you want to honor Christ. And many of these people suffered greatly and shed their blood. So no one wants to shed blood. No one walks into those moments where we're going to be persecuted to the point of shedding blood or even dying. But would you be willing to if it came to it? Is, is, is following Jesus... Just a nice thing as long as it's happy-go-lucky, as long as it's flowers and butterflies and we can praise Jesus and sing together. I'm, I'm not against any of that. That's wonderful. Praise God. But this world's hard. This world's dangerous, and this world contains evil. And so are we ready to give ourselves fully even if it would cost us the shedding of our blood? That's what he's saying here. And you have complete... And have you... Yeah. Let's turn over. And have you completely forgotten this word of encouragement that addresses you as father, as a father addresses his son? Now keep that in mind. As a father addresses his son. Now he's quoting here from um, the Proverbs and from the Psalms. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord disciplines the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as a son. This word chastens. Um, that might be translated in some versions, punish. Okay, Chastens is a better word because it, it brings this element of discipline into it. Okay, So some translations use the word punish, but as I, said a moment ago, as I said a moment ago, does God punish us to get our attention? No, but he does discipline us. And, and, and so we have to recognize the difference. Now, there may be, as, as fathers, Okay, as mothers, as children, remembering our own father and mother, whoever might discipline us as we were kids, we remember various forms of punishment that were part of discipline. Now, it might have been good, healthy, loving discipline, and it might have been unhealthy punishment. And if that was your case, then it's a little harder for you, perhaps, to let go of this idea that discipline means hurt. Discipline means that, you know, my, 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 my dad whacked me and whacked me really hard or maybe just said things or, you know. So that's not the kind of discipline that, that God is, is, is doing to us. So as I said before, whatever kind of father you've had in your life or have in your life, um, if that image is very good for you as, as a loving man, then and praise God for that. And God is even better than that. And if your image of father was the opposite, or very, 
very difficult and the relationships have been torn and maybe there was kind of verbal, even physical abuse and, and there was never much of a connection there. You're not even sure you're loved. All of those questions come up in a lot of people's minds. And if that is your experience of father, then think of God as the best father you always wanted, the best father you never had. Maybe you think, see friends or people that have grown up and you admire that father. And God's better than all of that and more. So we, we see this idea of discipline as a truly loving father or mother or parent or grandparent caring for children. And he does so with encouragement. Okay? This is an encouragement. Think of that word. You break it down. Encourage. To give courage. When you scare somebody because you threaten them and yell at them, does that give courage? Hmm. So the context of a loving discipline is to bring courage. And, and I underline those words again, to discipline, discipline, chasten, same, same idea, to, to, to train, to learn, to grow. It, it, it's an ongoing thing. But let's get this Let's get this truth settled in our hearts and minds that, that your Father in heaven, God, is the, a good Father. There's a contemporary song called Good, Good Father. It repeats a lot and repeats a lot. And Linda knows sometimes I, I, I don't have patience with songs that repeat a lot, but that's okay because sometimes God needs to remind us again and again to get through the message. You know? So that's, that's just kind of my, that's my knee-jerk reaction is, oh boy, Marie calls them 7-Eleven songs, you know, <laughs> seven words 11 times. But you know what? Maybe it takes me 45 times to get the message. So, you know, <laughs> so, so it, 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 it's all good. Um, but th that, that's what we have to recognize, that these are repeated things that, that need to happen to us in the sense of we, we stick with it, we keep going. An athlete has to get up every day to work out, to be a good athlete, to, to exercise his or her body so they can perform well with the team or on their, in, in their individual sport, running or swimming or whatever it might be. And sometimes it's going to hurt, but they have to keep going. And this is the idea... The idea of discipline that I'd like us to view Scripture with here today, because I, because I believe that is exactly what it is doing. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? Again, in, in a loving father's discipline of children. Endure hardship as discipline. That's why I titled that message that line today because again it's not that God made it happen so you can be disciplined it's that the things of life the dangers the evils that come to you at your own expense or at the hand of someone else they are moments where you can choose where you have to choose am I going to trust God to discipline me through this pain, through this hardship. I can blame him if I want to. I can yell at him if I want to. I can tell him it's not fair. And, and, and sometimes it's good to let that out, but don't stay there. Some of the Psalms are that way. You, you see some very angry words from the psalmist 
asking God some really troubling questions. But invariably, by the end of the psalm, it comes back to trusting God. Even if you don't understand, even if you don't get it. And you know what? There's a whole lot of things you're never going to get. There's a whole lot of things you're never going to understand. And so the question is not, when will I get the answer? When will I get the understanding? The question is, do you trust God with or without the understanding? With or without the why question being sewn up in a nice little package for you? It's great when that happens. It's good. But that's not the basis of my faith, is, is having all of my questions answered. Faith, in fact, is, is the opposite. Faith is, is, is stepping into the darkness with just enough light to land your foot on the next step. Looking for, you know, think, think of that picture here. Here's the trail again. You know, a lamp unto my feet, as it says in Psalm. So, so the lamp gives you enough light to go that far. Oh, I can go next step. That far. Oops. There's a hole there. I got to go around. Okay. That's the way it is. But and then once in a while, you get a, a bigger glimpse down the path, and you kind of see where it's headed. But most of the time, it's enough faith for the next step. As a parent, as a father, as a mother, as a grandparent, are we going to make things happen to teach the kids a point? Are, are, are we going to create a situation where they're going to be hurt? Even if it's hurt safely, just a little bit hurt, so now I can teach you. Now you learn. Is that a loving father, mother? Is that the way God treats you? And yet sometimes people in their heart of hearts, in deep somewhere in their mind, because of pain in their past, they see God that way. They see God as, God, you're, you're going to get me. God, you're, you're going you're to disrupt my life with pain, and then the illness happens, or then the car accident happens. Then, okay, God, I get it now, as if God made that happen for you. No, but what happened is he will take that opportunity of the pain, of the hardship, of even the tragedy. Do you trust me to discipline you even here? In all our situations, give thanks. Do you ever do that? I mean, when Paul says that, in all circumstances, give thanks. Wow. God, I am thankful that, and I used this illustration a couple weeks ago because it's still there. I'm thankful that you're helping me through the pain of my knee. I hope it'll stop. I pray that it'll stop, but I'm thankful that I can still walk. And and I'm thankful that now God didn't make my knee bad so he can get my attention. But as my knee hurts more, I'm a little bit more, maybe even that much more attentive to God. Do you see that? So, so, so God uses our wounds. God uses our pain. God uses our limps to draw us to him. He didn't make it happen for that purpose, but you can find good purpose in what happened. That's the difference. This is the discipline we're talking about here. Uh, endure hardship as discipline. And then the 8th and ninth verse says, if you are not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we 
all have human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of the spirits and live? This is the trust we have. And, and again, there's not everyone had that experience as a good father that we respected. And, you know, we know we should, but regardless, we can look to God as the one that, that deserves our respect, has earned our respect, and we don't come to him fearfully. <clears throat> we submit. Submission means, as I said a moment ago, and it bears repeating now, is, is that when the difficulty comes, when the hardship comes, trust him in it. Submit to the mystery in that moment. Submit to him in the darkness. Submit to um, trusting him and helping him. And, and, and it doesn't mean that God doesn't ever intervene, but he doesn't intervene in harmful ways. David had prayers in the Psalms about um, his enemies. And in those prayers, he would say things like, uh, destroy my enemies, let them get you know, ensnared and trapped. And now, now, do you think God honored that prayer and answered it? Or do you think God is just letting David vent and then he gets to the right place? And, and, I, and I, I encourage you to, to read the Psalms that way. When you see those really wow moments like, Wow, I don't, that's, that's a pretty deep prayer there, David. David's really angry today. You know, stop my enemies, destroy them. And then you keep reading the prayer, and he settles down to where God needs his heart to be. So it, it, it's okay to feel angry, to feel frustrated, to, to not get it, and to tell God how you feel about that. He can take it. <laughs> but follow through and get to the place of submission. Get to the place of walking in the darkness of the unanswered question. Verse 10 says, they disciplined us for a little while as they thought best, but God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Holiness is wholeness. Put a W before that word. Bring your whole self to God. Is there any part of you that God is not aware of? Is there any situation that has happened to you recently or a long time ago that God didn't see? That, that God doesn't realize is, is, is part of who you are? In good ways and in bad ways, you're, you, you are who you are in this moment for a whole massive variety of reasons from, from the experiences to your upbringing to um, the people in your life. There's so many things that, that have brought us into the moment that we are in right now. And what we have to bring to that moment, and anytime you're going to prayer in that moment, bring your whole self because God wants to make all of you whole. And that is holy, to recognize that God sees everything about you and it's not a problem for him. It's only a problem for you if you refuse to even admit to him or yourself that it exists. God, I have this secret sin, but I don't want anybody else to know. 
So let's just dust that off, pretend it doesn't happen. I'll make some more promises to you, and we'll just move on. Because I want to be holy. And I know as long as I'm doing that, I'm not holy. And God says, you know what? In, in your suffering of that sin, I'm going to help you know what wholeness is. I'm going to give you the courage to face the pain of that. And whether it's some, some form of addiction or, or even various forms of mental illness, and there's so much of it now, our temptation is, and I think this is a genuine temptation, is to only bring to God our good stuff. Only bring to God all my obedience, all, all of my, my accomplishments as a good person. I put this nice meme on Facebook, and 65 people liked it. Many of them put a little heart next to it. And, 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 and a few of them commented, thank you for that. Oh, that's wonderful. So, so see how good I am, God? Do, do you have a Facebook page, God? You can click it, too, if you want. <laughs> that's not wrong. That's fun. That's good, unless you're placing your identity there. I'm only good because 65 people clicked the, their mouse and said that I am. And how many of those likes, and I don't know this, I don't want to know this, but how many of those likes are, well, I better like that because he or she liked mine last week. Okay. How many of the likes that didn't even read the whole thing? Ah, click. I don't know. Have I done that from sometimes? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I do know. Okay. Yeah, I've done that already. <laughs> Okay, I, I want to be genuine with, with who I am. I want to be, but see, that's part of bringing my whole self so all of me can be whole before God. And that's the most challenging thing about faith in the Christ who, whom God has sent to us is that we stand before him with everything. And he loves us. And to believe that that's true, then you build your identity on your child of God relationship with the maker of the universe. So what can man do to me? What can anyone say? Because my identity is found in the Christ, in Jesus who loves me, sees everything about me, and still loves me. That's our holiness, our wholeness no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful later on. However, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Look at these words here, pain and train. Now, this is where you have to separate your mind, if it goes there, from discipline as punishment. And we think, yeah, pain, okay? I remember when I was a boy, boy, that, my, my butt hurt for a week after that punishment, after that discipline, Okay. <laughs> That's how we often think about it, and we can chuckle about it, but this isn't the pain that we're looking at here. The discipline and the pain from the discipline as we walk this path of faith with Jesus is to, as we see our whole self, as he reveals our, to us what we're trying to hide, to deal with our stuff. That hurts. God, I'd rather have you smack me on the butt than have me go to my friend 
that I have been apart from for years and apologize. God, I'd rather have you slap me in the face than have me ask someone to forgive me for what I did to them. God, I, 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 I'd rather have you ground me for two years in the house because of COVID all over again than admit to myself the pain that I've caused to others and I haven't dealt with it because I keep doing it. That's pain. That's deep pain. When, when we see how we've hurt others and we acknowledge it, and, and to deal with that is, is, is slow and painful, but it's important. And it takes discipline. If you're, um, again, using the, the, the example of athletes, um, it, if an athlete in the off-season, in some sports there is no off-season anymore, it seems, but, you know, okay, football player, for example. Okay, their team didn't make the playoffs. They, 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 they wrapped it up, you know, around the holidays was their last game. Everybody else is going off to the playoffs. Ah, I'm going to Florida. And I'm going to have a good time for the next, you know, six months. And then training camp's going to come. And they put on 50 pounds. They haven't worked out that whole time. They're going to have to go through a lot of pain to get back in shape before they're ready for day one, if they're even going to make the team, if they let themselves get there. That's pain. They have to acknowledge, okay, that wasn't good. Why did I eat all that stuff? Why did I just lay around? How many areas of our lives do we have to acknowledge? Yeah, that wasn't good, Paul. And let's, let's deal with it. And God's not going to overwhelm us with do everything at once. Let's work on this. And, and I'm sure you know what this is for you. There's always something, isn't there? there there's always one thing. You know, and that's what a loving father does. A loving father doesn't expect his children to get it all together today. But, all right, what happened today? What is the, the problem today? What needs to be addressed today? What also needs to be, to be praised and, and, and to be acknowledged and, and to, you know, to hug it out for? That's good too. So that's part of training, to recognize there's pain and to keep on training. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and your weak knees. Make level paths for your feet. Another quote from uh, the Proverbs. So that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. So you think about this path again, you think about this journey not alone but with others. And there's some people who are limping along, there's other people who are maybe a little bit more healthy. What do we do? We, we help each other become whole. And, and I've, I've said this before, I think every, the walk of, the, the, the Christian walk, the, the, the faith journey, whatever you would like to call it, I think it's always a walk with a limp. By, my, by his wounds, I am healed. But then Paul also writes about, when I am weak, I am strong. So when I still have a weakness, when I still have a little bit of limp, and I don't hide it, and I don't try and cover it up, you know what that does? That encourages other people to say, oh, you have that limp too? Oh, I thought I was the only one. I thought I was all alone in my suffering and pain. I thought no one else went through that but me. 
you're going through that? Wow. That's the faith journey together. And so let me wrap this up today with this, one of my favorite verses. And we talked about fear a few weeks ago. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. So as we go to the table this morning and remember the body and blood of Jesus given for us, let's be honest with ourselves. Let's bring our whole selves into this moment to seek out that love, to acknowledge where we're afraid, and to let God love us there too. Father, bless your table as we, as we share together in this today. Bless your church as, as we walk this dangerous journey of life, knowing that you were with us every step of the way. In your name, amen. amen.